Customer experience is sexy to talk about, but its flip side often gets shunted to the side, and that's fraud protection. The truth is that you can't have the former without the latter. And to explain how the two work in tandem, we have Debbie Peace, co-founder and CEO of ACH Alert. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies, where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that will help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Lou Carloso, the managing editor of BAI. Come on in. Compliance can be expensive, but the cost of non-compliance is much steeper. BAI offers comprehensive compliance training and professional development education to more than 1,800 financial services organizations. BAI's team of compliance experts provide comprehensive and up-to-date information while actively monitoring regulatory changes and updating content so that you can trust BAI's relevant, timely information. Learn more at BAI.org training. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. It is terrific to have you here with us. And today, coming in from Chattanooga, Tennessee, we have Debbie Peace. Debbie is the co-founder and chief executive officer of ACH Alert. Since launching the company in 2007, Debbie has remained dedicated to increasing corporate and consumer confidence in electronic payments by preventing fraud and improving the customer experience. And Debbie, pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, there we go. Customer experience, customer experience, customer experience. Everybody wants to know about customer experience. And of course, improving that is a key goal for financial services organizations in 2019. What role do you see fraud mitigation playing in customer experience? Well, I think that most consumers or most customers in general experience fraud after the fact. And when that happens, it really destroys trust in electronic payments and sometimes in the financial institution. So, you know, the confidence level goes down, not to mention the inconvenience and how frustrating it is to handle like a dispute for a fraudulent transaction. So I think that in order to improve the customer experience, financial institutions need to take a different approach instead of trying to monitor these things behind the curtain, and of course, you know, those things get missed in that way, they need to start empowering customers to stop transactions during the act, stopping the fraud as it's happening instead of after the fact. And I think that that kind of visibility and control will build more confidence in electronic payments. If you get hit with something and you're able to stop it before it impacts you, then you feel empowered. It also takes away the need to go through a whole lengthy dispute process after the fact. So I think that institutions have the opportunity to build a partnership with customers and improve the experience by allowing them to have more visibility and control to stop fraudulent activity. That's fascinating. Can you explain a little bit how that might work? Because the whole notion of a consumer being empowered to do something about fraud as it happens is surprising to me. How could this work? Well, think about it like this. You know, there's something called ACH transactions, and a lot of consumers use those for health club memberships. They use it for allowing insurance companies to debit them, sometimes the electric company. But there are times when 
customers get hit with unexpected, unauthorized ACH debits to their account. And generally, because the ACH network is designed to be a trusted system based off a series of agreements, the customer learns about it after it posts to their account. And there are ways now that customers could be alerted of those transactions when they come in and they could stop them, you know, before they post to their account. Today, when they learn about it after the fact, they have to call the institution and oftentimes they have to get in their car, they have to go to a branch, they have to fill out a paper dispute form, and then sometimes they actually have to wait to get their money back. So it's very costly for them. It's very frustrating. And, you know, they're not really happy about the time they lose because someone else had access to debit their account. Now, you've had some great experience working in the commercial bank space. So you're so familiar with these issues we're talking about. What are some of the lessons retail bankers can learn from the commercial customer's experience in relationship to fraud? Well, you know, the commercial customers get access to services like ACH positive pay, check positive pay. They get to automate wire transfers and ACH origination. Institutions aren't really giving retail customers the ability to have those same types of service. I think it's interesting that we hear a lot in the commercial space about making the experience for commercial customers more digital like it is for retail, but we don't see enough focus put on how can we deliver services to retail customers that are similar to the same protections business customers get. So I think that while retail customers have a longer time period to dispute unauthorized activity, they get that protection under Reg E, they don't really want to deal with after the fact. You know, so I think that Retail could learn a lot from commercial in empowering the consumers to have some of the same control and ability that the commercial customers have over their accounts. Now, you've touched a little bit on these inconveniences that consumers suffer and these tools that the commercial customers have. So how can banks take some proactive steps to bridge that gap? I guess what I'd like to do is draw a parallel to what the card companies are doing today. You know, the card companies today are sending alerts out. American Express, for instance, I have an American Express card, more than one actually, and I get these really nice little alerts on my phone. And if it's something that looks suspicious, I can actually at that point in time say, nope, I didn't do that. And consumers aren't often very knowledgeable about what their rights are under Reg E. So that perception when you get those types of alerts are, hey, my card company's protecting me, right? And the reality of it is they're protecting themselves because the consumer has the protection. But when it's their bank account, when their money's being withdrawn or siphoned out of their account, it's much more personable when those funds are gone. So if financial institutions were able to mirror what the card companies are doing there, they're going to gain a lot more traction with their consumer customers. The ability to stop fraudulent activity from draining money from their account that's going to cause them to go in overdraft could go a long way in creating that perception of protection that the card companies have. That is something that I've personally experienced where my bank has alerted me in the middle of a fraudulent transaction 
alerting is easy, right? The real key here is making those alerts actionable. So I think that's real important for institutions to understand that actionable alerts is where their customers are going to get the value. Now, when we look at the industry, there is this pathway to successful payments experience that applies to both commercial and consumer accounts, but it's complicated. We have regulations, we have visibility, we have convenience and control. What does a successful payments experience look like? Well, I think it shouldn't matter if you're a business or a consumer account holder. Anything that's going to reduce your balance, like an ACH debit to your account, a check withdrawal, a wire transfer, the customer or account holder, regardless of business or consumer, should have the ability to stop a transaction. And if dispute type forms are required, they should be able to do that at that time. Those should be able to be presented electronically. You know, ideally, they should get these alerts before they post. But even if it is same day and they're able to resolve it, I think that would be acceptable to most customers. So we see this scenario where technology around all of this is speeding up so fast that what was true 10 years ago would hardly work today. When you look ahead, what do you see as the things banks need to be on the lookout for? Well, I think if you look at the processes that occur today, and I'll kind of talk to you a little bit about the you know, the manual processes that happen today and as we speed payments up, how those really aren't going to work. And I'll just give you my experience as a consumer that if I want to do a wire transfer as a consumer, I have to walk into a branch to do that. Why I can't do that online just baffles me, except for the fact that understanding what happens on the commercial side where institutions are doing callbacks I understand that that's not scalable across a large retail base. And I think that we're going to have to get to a place if we're really going to move toward real-time payments of allowing these faster payments to move without it being a process that requires me to go into an institution so they know it's me sending the money. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. And that is the conundrum, isn't it? That branches are still a piece of the puzzle, but real-time payments demand something real-time, really quick. Exactly. And I mean, if you look at the process today with even anomaly detection, it is after the fact generally, or even if it is as the transactions are being originated, wires, ACH, anything like that, the alarms are going off in the back room of an institution, and they're having to look at them. They're having to make judgment calls. They're having to decide when they reach out to the customer. None of that's automated today. So if we're not doing that on the solid existing payment systems that we've had around forever that work, then how do we propose to handle the fraud challenges that are going to be there in the real-time payment space? You know, we have technology today that we didn't have in the earlier days to secure a transaction, to have that two-way communication through text. We have things like biometrics now for authentication if there's a high-risk transaction. So we have a lot more today at our fingertips, but it's assembling that together so that we can make that customer experience seamless. 
And seamless is indeed the watchword here today. It has been delightful to hear you addressing customer experience and the often overlooked component of security and fraud, which has to go right alongside. Debbie, thank you so much for sharing your time and insights with us today. Thank you. Debbie Peace is co-founder and chief executive officer of ACH Alert. She is based in Chattanooga, Tennessee. You can look for Debbie on LinkedIn. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one, most consumers experience fraud after the fact, and that destroys trust in the process of electronic payments and sometimes the institution itself. Banks need to empower consumers during the act of fraud instead of their having to deal with it after the fact and take the process of fraud mitigation from behind the bank's curtain and into the consumer's hand. Number two. Institutions aren't giving retail customers the same level of services and protections that business customers get, but it's possible. Credit card companies, for example, send alerts to consumers with lightning speed, which gives a perception that the card company cares. And number three, the challenge with real-time payments means moving money without an intermediary such as a branch. And when alarms go off at a bank, So few of the payment system's responses are automated, but advanced security measures such as biometrics tied together with other high-tech tools can move faster payments towards the realm and the promise of real-time payments. Has your organization made industry-leading strides in talent management, open banking, reg tech, connected experiences, and more? Nominations are now open for the 2019 BAI Global Innovation Awards. Visit BAI.org to learn more and submit your nomination. Welcome to Decision Time, where our podcast guest walks us through a major decision they had to make, how they made it, and how it has impacted their career. It's true. A job in home improvement can lay the foundation for career improvement. But when raising a child becomes job one, how do you move towards the next step? Here, Debbie Peace talks about how a mentor made that step possible by giving her, as she puts it, the keys to the store. Listen. Before I graduated high school, I got a job at Lowe's Home Improvement, right? Before they were the big mega company that they are today. And I worked there from out of high school for probably seven, eight years, and then I had a little girl, and so when she was about four years old, I decided to go home and be a stay-at-home mom. I went to work after she started school and just went into a totally different field. I went to work as a receptionist for a software development company. Little did I know that that was going to set the stage, so I went from retail to a stay-at-home mom to going to work as a receptionist at a software company. And I did have the opportunity to work with someone that developed software that was able to mentor me and teach me a little bit about, you know, or a lot, I should say, about building software applications and running a company. You know, he basically gave me the keys to the company and said, run this thing. I've got to go out and consult and work with the customers going to work there, you know, after leaving an industry that I knew very well, getting into a new industry, 
You just don't know when you make those decisions, like going to work as a receptionist at a software company, who you're going to encounter, what you're going to learn, and where it's going to lead you. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast. We hope to have you back with us very soon. Be sure to check out our ever-growing archive of podcasts at BAI.org. Our producer, as always, is James Grady. Be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Lou Carloso, the managing editor at BAI. We'll see you soon. So long.